thanks for listening to the, the this month's podcast, this July podcast for 2021. Again, we're continuing to interview people um, in the parish and their experience with uh, Nativity and the rebuilt model and how they have grown. Uh, this month, um, we we're talking to Kelly Lippenholtz. Kelly serves on staff as our Director of Adult Discipleship. And I think what you're going to hear from Kelly is interesting how throughout her her life, especially her adult life, she's picked up different parts of discipleship. And again, I think a lot of the problems or issues sometimes is that we only have one aspect in a parish or a couple aspects, but you'll see how um, Kelly has grown because in different seasons of her life, she's connected with God uh, through different habits or disciplines or environments that have helped her to grow in her faith. And now here is my interview with Kelly Lippenholtz. Well, hey, Kelly. <laughs> Thanks for doing the podcast Hi, this Tom. month. We, we used to do the podcast together. I know. I miss it. It was when I got to talk to you like once every <laughs> couple months. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe we'll, we'll go back to that format, but at least for this year. Yeah, this is great. Trying this kind of uh, spiritual interview podcast. So it sounds intimidating, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not scared. It's just telling your story and um, spiritual journey and seeing what nuggets kind of fall out a little bit. So okay. as we were talking a little bit beforehand in the mm-hmm. last podcast with Tim, you know, this idea of generational sin kind of fell out. I didn't really expect that too much to be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll see where the spirit leads us and what, what that, where that okay. goes. So uh, just go background about yourself, where you grew up, family, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so I grew up out in Western Maryland, Frostburg, and my parents were both professors at the university there. They had offices right next door to each other, so I had a great oh, fun. Nice. It was really. It, <laughs> they're so cute. That is, I was going to say that, but I never would use that word. I know I you wouldn't. I'll I, say I, it. I edited myself out, but um, yeah, I, that was the thought I had. <laughs> yeah, so I spent my childhood like playing in the gymnastics. My dad was a gymnastics coach and my mom was field hockey and track coach. So I spent my childhood, you know, jumping on trampolines and spinning around bars and having a lot of fun in the gymnastics gym and running around the track. And um, we went to basketball games at Frostburg State's basketball games on weeknights. I mean, it was it was a really fun childhood. I realized when I got to college and heard of other people's childhoods but it was great fun frostburg is a tiny little town there's nothing there right. um so by the time i was in high school i couldn't wait to get out i mean i say there's nothing there there's beautiful mountains and i mean i appreciate it now for its beauty but you know there's no target so i need a target <laughs> <laughs> now there's not a whole lot to do if you're not a big outdoorsman or a skier okay and i i would say i was a little bit of an outdoorsman i you know i love nature and stuff so i like to hike and that kind of thing but and camp but i didn't ski at all so that's kind of a bummer i don't we i don't think our family could really afford it so that's okay. why we didn't ski gotcha so um yeah, you're not the Baltimore on then. You are no, <laughs> nope. When you ask me where I go to school, I say Salisbury State University. Okay. Oh, so you went to the other <laughs> side of the state to go to to go to school. Okay. I couldn't wait to get out of Frostburg, and right. so I headed to Salisbury. Yep. So, what was your relationship with God as a kid, and what what did you go to church? What was your conception? Talk about that. Yeah, my parents they are devout Catholics, and but like the old school devout Catholic, if that's okay to say, like. Sure prayer is private and you don't talk about God and you don't talk about sin and it's kind of, you know, your religious life is separate than your other life. Yeah. That was a theme from Tim last month too as well. So that's interesting. I think, yeah, I think it, 
I mean, I think it's a generational thing. I don't know. I, I or it's a Catholic thing. I don't know really um, what it is. But when I when I've spent time with people who are non-denominational, it feels like it's a little different. Right. There you go. Where they're yeah. trying to they're trying to apply at least like you know 10, 10 15 years ago when I was really searching no, for I, more, they were tr- they seemed to be wanting to apply scripture more than the catholic church was at the time yeah no it's just it's a very interesting theme that's kind of come up but of yeah the and because i don't think i like i grew up in a catholic family but i felt like it was more part of our life but in a kind mm. of cultural catholicism if you want to put it that way it's more like it's just over here mm-hmm. and even i remember our publisher telling us the the different and this was many years ago but telling us the difference of how much the average catholic family spent on books versus an evangelical or protestant family spent on spiritual books oh wow and it's like Two hundred dollars or two hundred fifty dollars a year to like ten. It's like something absurd or yeah. the average. So yeah, I don't remember ever seeing any spiritual book in my house okay. until maybe ten or fifteen years ago. Okay, yeah. So maybe that's is different for my family too. Growing up, because my dad had stuff and my mom mm-hmm. was a DRE, so she had mm-hmm. things. But in any case, this isn't my story. This is yours. So. No, that's okay. Um, yeah. So I always we went to church. We went to church every Sunday together as a family, and I always believed and you know, thought that I loved God and knew Jesus. Um, But I didn't really have a relationship. I mean, I don't know. I talked to him. Maybe I did. I had a really good foundation, I would say. Right. um, Yeah, that's good. For what was to come. Yeah. No, I think a lot of times maybe just knowledge-wise, but not an understanding or wisdom about it. So so you went away to college, to Salisbury. Mm -hmm. Did you keep going to church then, or did you stop? I did, but I did not live my life as if I were still going to church. <laughs> but I went to church every Sunday. But again, I think that's a lot of the part too. Yeah. I go to church on Sunday and then do what I want the rest of the week, right? Yep. So, okay. Yep. Okay. So well, it was just some, some a, a box to check for you or it felt good going to church, but... Both. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't just... It definitely wasn't just obligation. I wanted to go. Okay. Um, and there was mass on campus in the in like the chemistry lab or something because I was a science major, so I re- it was in like my chemistry room, which was weird. Um, but then if it wasn't on campus, then and when I when I eventually had a car there, I drove to the local parish. Okay. And went and I just always did. I always sat in the back and kind of stayed anonymous. I didn't get right. involved in any way. God yeah. forbid that, right? Um, yeah. And then right after college, I started wanting more. Okay. Um, so I got married four years after college. I, w- I went back to Frostburg, got a master's degree, and then my husband and I, that was, I started journaling then, which kind of changed my relationship with God a little bit. I was like writing to God Okay. in my suffering of grad school because I was just, just, it was so hard. It was a difficult time. You would write, dear God or yes. family father or yes. dear, okay, dear I, God, how would you write it? Dear God, exactly. <laughs> All okay. my journals from that time say, dear God. One okay. time I was... My husband and I were talking, and I guess he was, like, I'm hard on myself, I guess, because of my faith. I'm hard on myself sometimes. Like, I should do this better, and I should do this better, and I don't want to gossip about that person. He's like, give yourself a break. You write letters to God. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) Um, So anyway. So journaling was a big thing for you. That was, yeah, that was probably a changing point, I would say, in how I saw God and my relationship with God. Yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, Every day? Mm, No. Okay. No, my journaling is a little different now. Okay. Uh, but anyway, you, you did that for a period of time. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I, I didn't, I was trying to write, I, I wrote a lot, in, I journaled a lot in high school. Okay. And it is interesting that the, the intense time, and I don't think the I wrote inti- it to yeah. God, I just journaled. You just journaled. And I think a heart, you know, 
adolescence and all that. And yeah. it was definitely not having any, you didn't really talk about this stuff with friends, especially as a guy. So it is interesting to go through the hard times. Yeah. You really journal. Yeah. So, and then I, I kind of stopped doing it less in college. I guess I enjoyed college more. But anyway. I think I stopped in college too. But anyway, so so after graduate school, I got married and um, and then was like looking for where am I going to go to church? And so, you know, I'm looking for a place to go to church, but then it just... I you was, were in Baltimore at this point? Or yeah, no? at Bel Air. Yep. Okay. Yes. So I was in Frostburg for a graduate degree. And then my husband was here in Baltimore and we got married and we lived here. and Or we lived in Bel Air for a little while. And uh, so I was looking for a church. And then I would say that, that when I got married, that started me on this path of like seeking something that was missing. Okay. And, and so I did go to a couple churches, but I just didn't like them. I wanted to be getting something out of it, you know, the old, right. I'm not getting anything out of that. Were these Catholic churches? Or they were both you? Catholic churches. Okay. I would kind of go between these two, one that was closer to my house, one that was a little further away, but I liked it a little bit better. And, um, you know, I'd go late, leave early. It just, I don't know. It wasn't speaking to me. Okay. Um, and then, so then I tried to start like getting involved and volunteering and that didn't really work out. And I was just seeking. I knew okay. there was something more. But I was having better time or, you know, closer, more intimate time with God when I hiked with my dog in the woods. That's when I prayed every day. Okay. Um, and that, and like that prayer time in the woods is when I had like revelations about what I should do next and where I should go and where he was guiding me. And I didn't think of it like that then, but I can see it now very clearly. So what did, what were you guided to? So I, um, well, I was. I was working at Aberdeen Proving Ground in a job that I really didn't like because we were doing chemical testing on animals, so not up my alley. Ooh. It was terrible. I hated it. Um, and so I wanted to do something different, but I had no idea what to do. Like, I had a biology degree, like, basically n worth nothing. And Well, <laughs> so, no offense, anyone. It, it really didn't help me out getting a job. Um, Unless and you're going into medicine or medical. Right, of. right, if you keep going on. The graduate degree was in ecology, which is even worse, so... But I like that. Anyway, um, I was just, I was unhappy in my job and that made me unhappy everywhere in my life. And so I just started asking God on these hikes, like, what, what am I doing? Is this life? Is this what married life is? Like, so I dreaded Sunday nights because I hated my job. And mm. so I started volunteering at a school and realized I loved it. And so that was kind of something that I realized in prayer and I loved volunteering. I was mentoring um, middle school girls and like just doing homework with them or whatever after school, just being a mentor, being a friend. And that led me to pursue a teaching job um, in a Catholic high school, which that's where like my faith really grew a lot there. That was Mount DeSales. Mount right? DeSales okay. Academy in Catonsville. Yep. How long were you there for? I was only there for three years. Okay. And I loved every minute of it. It was... Oh great and what made you leave it i got pregnant okay <laughs> <laughs> I yeah i knew that was coming yeah uh, my uh, and my husband also got transferred to connecticut at the okay. time which oh that's right you were in connecticut i yep. forgot about that um so you, then you went to connecticut for a few years and went to connecticut for a few years wanted to stay connected so i started volunteering with the local parish in youth ministry and they had this really fun vibrant youth ministry team and i didn't know that doesn't happen a lot 
You don't think so? <laughs> no, no. I, mean, I didn't think so either. I didn't yeah. know if you're being sarcastic. No, I wasn't. Daniel's I'm, fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're here, but we, I think we're really the exception to the rule, and that's, that's good. But oh my that's, gosh. Well, it was the first time I realized that you could be Catholic, spiritual, religious, and still be fun and still okay. have fun. Yeah. And so it was like the marrying of the two Kellys. That's when that first <laughs> happened. <laughs> okay. Say more about that. Well, there was what, Miller Lite Kelly on one side. That's, okay. That's like the weekend. I want to have fun. I want to have fun. I, right. I'm You're the first yellow. to the party and I'm the last to leave. And okay. um, and then there was Church Kelly, right? Like right. I, I wanted to be... I wanted to be obeying God. I right. wanted to be good. I wanted to go to church. I wanted to, I wanted, I didn't know what I wanted. Right. What I, I can wanted have God was, or yeah. I can have life, but I can't have both. And then you realized I can't have both. Correct. And okay. it was those people at that church, St. Bartholomew's in Manchester, Connecticut that. Oh, I, really? Yeah. Awesome group of volunteer ministers. There was one hired staff and the rest were volunteers. There's like five adults and they were just so much fun. Okay. And so great with the teenagers and so devout in their Catholic faith. I went on retreats for the first time ever okay. with them. And that was really, you know, transformational. Um, just spending a weekend, you know, focusing on faith and focusing on God. And that was all new to me. I loved it. Who Do you remember who the pastor was there at that, that point? Um, you know, I don't. I only okay. remember the deacon because he did a lot there. Okay. That's the, it's the, especially we'll for this podcast. We'll talk later. We'll yeah, talk yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'll get the info for Rebuilt. Don't worry. Okay. Um, so you, so that was a big thing for you. You may, And you, you form some relationships or friendships with people that you could both bring your faith life into but have fun with yes. as well. Yeah I, yeah, I did not know it was possible. That was a huge moment for me, a huge couple of years. We were only there for two years. Because you hate, you did not really like being up there. Otherwise. No, jeez, we, two weeks in, I was like, "Can we go home now?" Right. Okay. Because Baltimore was home for us, all of our friends, and I just had a baby, and all of a sudden we're alone, family, friends, yeah, everybody yeah. was here. Yeah, that's tough. That's really tough. Uh, so for two years, then you came back here. Came back here, and so, then, so that again, these little seeds along the every oh, different yes. change, right? From learning to connecting to God in the woods and praying or, yep. and journaling. Yep to now, okay, I have some relationships and some people. That's yep. interesting. Okay. And then the next phase I would say was the, this is the invite phase of my story where I was just invited into several things. So when I came back here, uh, we moved back here when I had, I was pregnant and had a two-year-old. And so we moved again and it wasn't great. And uh, you know, I didn't have, I never had friends here who had children, right? Right, Because we were, we were childless when we lived here. And so it was a whole new adjustment period again. And I met this woman in my neighborhood at the pool. I was all alone, didn't know anyone. And we had the same bathing suit on. And so she came over to talk to me and she invited me to Bible study at a local non-denominational church, Grace Fellowship. Mm-hmm. And I was like, heck yes, I need some adult interaction. And they watch your kids for you. And it's every Wednesday for two hours. I was all in. I have a okay. new friend. So you, you were open to that because you needed you needed a friend. Yeah. <laughs> no, you wanted said it something that way. to do. You need something to do. They and, watch your kids. And get rid of your kid yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. 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 And I'm, you know, I'm religious, I would have said at the time. Right. Okay. I have a faith. Yeah. Right. So you weren't anti. No. No. It wasn't a hard ask, okay. I don't think. But. Um, but she did just meet me and just invite me. Nice. Okay. So that was the first invitation. So there's the power of that just invitation. Yeah. Even when you think someone might not be interested. Right. 
Yeah, I feel like yeah. I missed an invitation recently where I should have. I did. I was afraid to say uh, to somebody, I'm like, I should have just said, come on. I'm like, why didn't I invite them to come? Uh, so anyway. Well, that's a, a good thing to, yeah, it's a reminder for us. Yeah, so um, that same friend a couple years later, now I did Bible study there for five years and okay. just soaked it up. It was the first time I'd ever heard the gospel preached to me in a way that was relevant to my life. And I remember the specific message and, and the day and the study I was doing when I would say I really became a Christian. Okay. And that was this um, woman, Renee, who she was giving a message on. The Bible study was called Encounters with Jesus. And we were just looking at all the different encounters that Jesus has with people like Zacchaeus and the woman at the well. And it was just so I had never looked at Jesus's life or his personality or his character in this way. And, you know, I've heard those readings all my life, but I didn't take any of them in and think about um, you know, how they apply to my life. And so she's giving this great message and she was really like, she just really spoke my language. She told stories. She was funny. She pulled in scripture. She was serious when she needed to be. She was, and I wanted to be her. And I feel like I've, I am a little bit, Okay. I mean, I'm not her, but I, when I saw her up there, I was like, that's what I would love to do that. I would love to speak to people in a way that they and suddenly this up there, a video or this was a, no, she was live. She, okay. yeah. So and she said at the end of one of her messages about encounters with Jesus, she said, what does this look like in your life? And I left that day a changed person. Hmm. And I was like angry about it at first. I'm like, this doesn't look like anything in my life. But now I can't unhear that. Now I have to go be better. Now I have to go meet people where they are and love people that are outcasts that I don't want to love. And, you know, there were a couple people in my mind that I was thinking of, people that I'd cast aside because I didn't want to be friends with them anymore or you know, a sibling of mine that's sort of, you know, the, the, the black sheep. I, I couldn't just ignore that anymore. Right. So there was in that season then this practical biblical teaching, as yes. North Point would say, as Andy yeah. Stanley would say. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, so far now we've gotten somehow, well, I think a basic knowledge or of mm-hmm. God, a kind of foundation, mm-hmm. then a kind of journaling and praying on your own. Mm-hmm. That worked for you. Now you had, then you had this time in the woods. Yep. Um, then you had some, the fun part or relationship part, I guess, in, in serving, but serving in Mm -hmm. inside and now the practical biblical teaching, just trying to, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I never looked at it that way. Cause that was more about the teach. Was that more about the teaching or the study or the relationships or all three of those things? All three. Yeah. I mean, it was the first time I'd ever been in a small group where people are holding me accountable, where people are praying for me out loud. Um, yeah, it was just an amazing experience, but the study is the highlight. I mean, the studying the Bible was the highlight and the relevance to my life. Okay. So after five years of Mm. doing that, my friend Keen, the same one who invited me to that Bible study at Grace Fellowship, invited me to try Nativity. She didn't go here, but she'd been hearing good things. Where were you going to church? I went to Grace. Oh, okay. I was coming here a little bit. I was dabbling here. I was dabbling at the church closer to my house. I was dabbling at Grace. I was kind of church shopping and wasn't committed anywhere, didn't settle anywhere. The kids were small, so sometimes I just didn't go. Right. Um, so you're committed to the Bible study, though. Yeah, I didn't miss. But the weekend, on the weekend, you'd, you'd go or not go or move. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I was going by myself, too, so sometimes I just didn't want to go by myself. Right. Sometimes going by myself made me feel sad, too, you know, if I was sitting next to another couple that was, oh, yeah. saying, you know, my husband's not Christian, so he wasn't going with me. So, um, so Keen invited me to try Nativity, and I came to Nativity. And what year was this? This would have oh, been. Oh gosh. About sorry. 
Um, or what was your experience? That's what I'm just trying to get to about where we were. It was probably 15 years ago, about 15 years ago. Okay. 2000. But there was screens by this point. There, there screen. were screens in the, yeah. There was a screen. Old church. A screen. Critical mass. Okay, there you it go. Was All right, now you go. Now, that's pretty early on then. Okay. Sunday night, right? Yeah, 15 yeah. years. That's pretty early on in, in trying to make changes and, and do new things. Yeah. And what was your impression of that? I liked it. Okay. Yeah, I liked it. Okay, because it's interesting. Tim was saying he didn't like it the first time. Oh, so. no, I, I loved it. No, okay. it was, I mean, I wasn't like head over heels, like this is the greatest thing ever because I had been going to Grace, so I knew like the contemporary music piece okay. and I knew the relevant teaching piece. So those things weren't like some big surprise to me. The surprise was that it was a Catholic church and okay. the Catholic church was doing something a little different and I liked it. Um, so for a while I went to both. Okay. <laughs> Nativity and That's Grace. a lot too. My husband was like, what are you doing? Okay. I was like, all right, I'll give up grace and stay at nativity. Really because my kid was in second grade and uh, it was time point. to get communion. Okay. By this point he was seven, eight years old. So so I committed here and um and then Maria invited me into a small group. Okay. She was our old uh, director of ministry back then. She invited me to join her small group during Lent. Okay. And I did. And then Maybe a year after that, she invited me after like one of our ministry pushes to join a ministry, and I joined student ministry. Okay. And then I volunteered for about three years, and uh, then I joined the staff. Right. So you were yeah part time, and f- when did you come full time once that? Oh, about four years ago. Okay. I was part time for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's my story. Okay. <laughs> Although I didn't include a whole lot of like faith stuff in that last bit of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. How does that, how does that, what is in working at Nativity, what has been, what's the challenges of working at a staff and your faith journey or continuing that or? That's a good question. So, I mean, it it is, it's challenging to, to, to keep all of my old friends challenging to leave the old man behind and be the new creation when your friends know you as the Miller Lite Kelly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so I probably lost some friends early on and then, um, which is fine. But um, yeah, it's... Because you were working at a church? Because you're thinking like... Well, because I wanted to behave differently, not because oh, okay. I was working at a church. Gotcha, but gotcha. I wanted to... Drink less Miller Lights at the okay. party. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> um, yeah, people don't like to see you change. They're threatened by it, you know? Okay. I leave early on Saturday nights from parties because I have to work on Sunday morning. Yeah. And everybody just gives me the hardest time that I now just disappear at, on Saturday night parties. I never say goodbye to anybody. Because okay. the they beg me to stay shows, and those, drink yeah. one more and drink another one and just stay. Yeah. <laughs> they love me i understand but well how about you know would you say what are kind of the keen insights you're learning right now or have learned recently oh. about faith or about jesus christ or yeah God. so that's a great question um i've been asking myself recently what it really means to have an intimate relationship with jesus because i don't think i know what that means hmm. and I talk to him and I write to him and I read about him, but I don't know if I have an intimate relationship with him. So, um, and part of that, that that's one thing. And then the other thing I'm learning are like these blind spots that I have. 
And this is where, if you want, we can talk about some generational sin because my blind spots are related to like the way people operated in my home and how I carry that into my workplace. And every single one of us does that, but we're not aware of it. Like I'm defensive sometimes if my idea isn't taken or if somebody asks me a question I don't know the answer to or I'm insecure or I'm, you know, reliant on someone else always and I can't make a decision on my own because I'm not confident enough to make that decision or all these all these things that we just bring in avoiding conflict is probably the biggest one right like my family avoided conflict at all costs and so that's another thing I'm trying to explore right now from a faith perspective because I don't you know like I guess it could be a therapy perspective too but I'm just trying to explore it from like a Jesus perspective like what are the blind spots I need to get rid of, these behaviors that I have, these character flaws, really, to be more fully intimate with Jesus. Boom. Yeah. What do you think about that, Tom? <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot there. I'm just trying to think about which, which direction to, to go in there in the sense of... But, I mean, we only can offer, you know, we I serve seven people on the adult discipleship team, and they serve hundreds of people right and i can only offer what i have what i am yep and that has become clear to me and i just i know i have some terrible blind spots how do i find them this you, you is, this is you not ha- a therapy session you know you have them but you don't know what they are is that what you're but it sounds know. like you just said what they are some of them i don't know what they are like i yeah. think i have major blind spots in the way i communicate with people and i don't know what they are because people don't hear the thing i said Okay. Or know the intention. Or you think you it. said something and, yeah. and it's got the opposite. Well, I, that's, yeah, that's a, in general learning of self awareness, though. Of, yeah, self awareness. Hey, how how yeah. can I communicate better with other people? And, and I don't know, some, yeah, what's the difference between a generational sin and a personality trait or a character trait that we've just developed? Um, but yeah, I think there are some limits in all of our homes, you know, that right. we, we have. Um, and sometimes I think, you know, we start to, bl- you know, I think in our 20s, we blame our parents for those. Yep. Like, why couldn't you have made me better? Why yep. couldn't you have incubated me better? You know what I mean? And like, yep. why and didn't some- you work harder at this? Why didn't you make me do this? Right. And now yep. as a parent, you're probably like, oh, <laughs> you know, I see why. Yeah. Right. One, they might have tried to and then you didn't listen. Yep. Or because they're human beings too. And there's yeah. just only so much they can do. And right. it's a mistake of thinking. I guess when you get to your adulthood, you're supposed to be totally grown and mature. And the reality is right. that's right. not the reality. No. <laughs> the reality is growth and spiritual growth is a lifelong process and becoming who God's created us to be and who, you know, you know, John, yeah. you know, first John, you know, we are, we are, we are God's children now. What we shall be, we don't know yet. In other right. words, you're not there yet and you got to keep right. growing. So that's where, that's where I feel like I am. I want to be who God created me to be, but I can't with these things in the way. And the generational sin was something that came up for me back when I was doing that Bible study. And I read about it and I totally ignored it. I hated it. Like The Bible study way back at Grace. Way back at Grace Fellowship, yes. It mentioned generational sin. And um, I wish I could remember the exact... Well, that's a good point. When something angers us or annoys us, uh-huh. it's the, that's Pay the time attention. to lean in, right? That's something like... not lean in. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I, many times I haven't either. I, no, I get that, but it is just saying that's what, that's, that's a, as John Eldred say, look under the hood. Something's, there's something there to look under the hood. Yes. We all need to look under the hood. That's what I'm feeling. That's the, that's the, that's where I am in my faith right now. And if we saw all the flaws we had or all the blind spots we had, it would overwhelm us probably. So God in his grace Hmm. allows it over time. 
but then but in a time God's saying yeah I want you to deal with this right now and and that kind of yeah um and then we make the choice to do it or not and if we don't we probably take you know another loop around and then something else comes up and reminds us right yeah so yeah yeah the generational thing I really got I really got stuck on that and didn't like it for one because I'm a parent now and I started to see the way my sin affects my children and that was really difficult yeah well i remember john eldridge thing too you know and and i'm a big eldridge fan but he did the wild at heart small group Mm -hmm. and they're talking about the father wound and everyone's Mm -hmm. got or a parent wound however uh, but for men we talk about the father wound and one of the guys like well how do we not do this to our kids and he's like you will it's and that Uh, doesn't mean not try not to it's right don't put your pressure that you're gonna be the perfect parent you're not gonna hurt your kids some some of the wounds could come accidentally you just miss them yeah and you miss their heart and you're not trying to but Mm -hmm. you do at an important moment you're busy or it could come yeah because you're you're being a jerk yeah Yeah. and i'm i know i've done both to my kids me too and so you know i was hopefully trying to set it up for them of like you know i'm sorry i know i hurt you i know i've hurt you in ways but yep at some point too i think the growing up i i you know our, our parents are our gods to us growing up yeah literally i mean they are in the yes. sense that their our whole world is in their hands we cannot they, they have their our whole their whole world in their hands in the sense of they feed us they care for us mm-hmm. and there is a thing of growing up into our 20s and realizing okay they were really just human beings yeah and they did the best they could and mm-hmm. i need to forgive my parents for whatever things it is and right. we got to teach our own kids to do that too right and they did some really great you know i think for both of us because they did some really great things mm-hmm. and did some things where yeah, yeah. They, that's a great and sure I think as parents, we have to be like, yeah, that's going to be our kids too. So Yeah, it has to be. That has to be good enough. The best thing we can do for them is pray for them and admit it. Like you said, when you go back to them and say, I'm sorry, I yeah. I think that's really Yeah, so I probably have some important. some of those things to do Me too, myself, me too. Right? Tonight, tonight, Tom. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we need to peel back some layers, I feel like, to to be disciples. Like that's what I'm thinking about right now is – but I don't, it just, I'm struggling between like it feeling like therapy, you know, or encouraging people to open, look under the hood. Like, how do you do that? And it's not therapy. Well, it is a th- sort of therapy, but yeah. I mean, it's, it, but I think the difference is you're bringing God into it versus just a, a psychological session versus right is inviting Jesus into your heart at that point. And that's mm-hmm. the sort of the difference. And again, it's a lot easier for me to tell you this and talk about yeah. this here than it is to like, right. To go do it. Actually, I got to figure out how to go do it. Actually, yeah. do it. So what you're trying to learn is how to let Jesus in to heal you and to, yeah, yeah, that's simple. That's good. I did go to healing prayer and that's when I heard about generational sin for the second time ever. Okay. And that's when I was like, okay, yes. Now I, un- I do understand what generational sin is now. Well, I think some of your story a little bit. Some of your story too is things that maybe get planted in a previous season can come back up, and that's mm-hmm. okay too. You maybe you're just not ready to hear at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now there is something resonating with you that, and then I think as you have kids, they become adults, you know, and you're about ready to, yeah, let one of your kids go to college, yep. and so there is some part of like, yeah, I, I you know, a realization. I think. I joke about this. I was a much better parent before I had kids, you know, a yes. much better father before I had kids. Oh my you, gosh. you know, I remember even telling my mom, I'm going to be a great parent. She's like, okay, you know, like <laughs> I've had it, buddy. Yeah. You think it's so easy. Right. <laughs> and that's the, that's the, or I even think when I first started becoming interested in faith and I was reading all the time and mm-hmm. like something was awakened in me. Yeah. You know, for me it was after college, I was like 
kind of the same. You know, I think there are certain periods. Seekers, right? you know, yeah, yeah, we're seekers, yeah. But I was reading like all these spiritual books. I'm like, this is so easy. I'm going to be such an awesome Christian, <laughs> right? It's like, <laughs> it does sound easy, but the, it is not. Yeah, it's simple, but not e- you yeah. know, not easy. So the, the the kind of you coming to your own weakness and understanding that's part of the maturity as well. So yeah. Yeah. That's what you're kind of doing too. I'm realizing my own weakness and yes, we do that over and over again. Yep. Are there any scripture verses that are speaking to you right now? Oh, um, I'm, I've been, well, I guess because of my leadership role of, over adult discipleship, I have been reading Acts chapter two, verses 42 to 47 a lot which is just, you know, the the fellowship of believers gathered in the temple courts and they gathered in homes and they were caring for everybody and sharing everything. And so I've been just kind of thinking about my own discipleship path here. Like we have a clear discipleship path here and I, I don't think I'm on it, Tom. Okay. So, um, so I'm thinking about like all those things that we, that we kind of just talked about with where I am right now, like trying to discover, trying to invite Jesus in to heal me and to be more intimate with him and to be on this discipleship path and to be doing the things that the apostles, like the disciples were doing in the book of Acts. I feel like I need to, we need to remind ourselves of that. Yeah. Myself and the adult discipleship team. What you're actually asking other people to do. That's correct. Right. Am I doing what I ask people to do? Is it coming out authentically from my own walk? Yeah. And then, yeah, I think always, is there something else God's calling me deeper into? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for me, you know, like I said, like this whole prophetic voice, I don't even know what it means. Mm. And I don't think it's, it doesn't discount all the steps we're talking about, but I feel like it is a different, it's a different path or not. It's a different it's a deeper path, I guess, to mean who God has wired me to be and how I'm supposed to serve others. So mm-hmm. I think it's still under the idea of serving. Yeah. But how am I supposed to serve in a different way? Or what does that mean to be attuned more to the Holy Spirit, I think? And right. speaking God's word and not speaking just what I think, you know, mm. of learning the difference mm-hmm. right now between, yeah, sorry, I've shared about as much no, as you I love know, it. Is, I love but, it. Know, um, but part of this is just to have a conversation of when am I speaking and it's, it's my words. Tom, yes. And when am I speaking? Yeah. And it's clearly the Holy Spirit. And and not mm. that they're 100% opposed. Like, right. again, I'm in Christ. There can be words in this conversation that I just come out of me because I am connected to Christ. Mm-hmm. But knowing when the sermon, no, God, if you will pay attention, I will put the words in your mouth and you will say the words that someone needs to hear. So, um, Do you just, ever go back and read some of your old messages and think, I did not write this. I do not remember writing any of this. I, I, not necessarily writing, but I will have times where I'm speaking where, um, again, and this is where it goes to, you know, your spiritual gifting because you know at times this is the Holy Spirit flowing through me. Mm-hmm. And um, I almost f- experience that more when I'm practicing a message, which is unfortunate because there's no way there to listen to it. But like, I'll I'm, be like, that yeah. that's God. And then I'm going to get up and say it on a weekend. Yeah. But like, I'm like, no, that was the Holy Spirit. Like, I, right. that just came out. And that yep. was not for me. And now I'm like, that was good. I got to write that yeah, down. Yeah, I got to stop and write that down. Yeah. Or, or, you know, and that's something in my speaking, too, I want to try to be more attentive mm. to, like, because you don't know the really word that's going to, like, hit somebody's heart. And it could be a, we- you know, you don't even know it. Like, you can be using an illustration in a talk. Yeah. Hey, maybe da-da-da. And you don't know it, but that's exactly where someone was. And right. so 
You never know what it and is. And maybe you threw that one in at that one mass because someone was hearing it and that's the Holy Spirit. So that's trying to be attentive to that. It is interesting because people do, yeah, trying to be attentive to what the Holy Spirit is asking you to say. Because people will come up to you after a message, right, and say, like, I love when you said blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, my gosh, that wasn't even really part of my, right? Yeah, that wasn't even my main point. Yeah. That was when I was driving it. And some part of like, yeah. dang it, you didn't get it. But the other part is like, <laughs> no, that's the no, whole. that's what they needed to hear. That's what they needed to hear. And you know, a little bit more of as much as I think and I would say continue, we drive the message towards a point and making a point. Yeah. At the end of the day, how people felt afterwards and what maybe they take away. Or I'll, I'll hear people talk about Father Michael's message all the time. I remember Father White said, I'm like, he did not say he that. He did not say that. It's <laughs> how they interpret it, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. We kind of got off on that, but. Um, yeah. So Acts 42 to 47. Okay. Back on I'm, scripture. That's yeah, where it was. Okay. That's, that's, that's where I am. About they were today. all together and they yeah. prayed and they just did mm-hmm. in those verses. Prayed and they worshiped and they ate together. Yeah. And as again, how they grew as followers of yes. Christ together. And that's what you're, you're leading. At. Right. Who, who's been a model for you, a role model for you in faith? Um, that's a great question too. Um, I would say my friend Keen who invited me okay. to begin with, she lives her life completely differently than anybody else I know. Okay. She is in Christ. And I don't even really know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, well why do you say that then? And what's She's just different. Um she is always kind. She refuses to gossip with you if you start to say something about someone. Um she is generous beyond any generosity I've ever seen with her time and she I mean she she just, it's hard to explain. I spent a lot of time at her house when my kids were little and she would make us lunch. And then if we were still there at five o'clock and Jeremy wasn't coming or Jeremy was traveling, she would make us dinner. And she was just so generous. And because I knew her, I knew where it all stemmed from. It stems from her relationship with Jesus. And she'll tell you that. And she has people approach her saying, why are you so happy all the time? Really? Like people notice. And she says, well, because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, she's just unique in that way. Okay. That's good. So what are your thoughts on the future? Where's God leading you? Or how does God want to continue to use you in the future then? Well, I don't know, but it's a question that I ask him all the time. Like I am, I'm someone who's like, I'm a kind of a mover and a shaker. Like I don't stay in one role in case you haven't noticed. I don't do the same thing for very long. Like every couple of years, I'm like, okay, what's next? I want to do something new. So, you know, part of that is I'm never like an expert in anything. I'm always just kind of, you know, little below expert because I like to do different things, um, which is fine because I think this is just how God made me. But I, I do think that God is preparing me in this season for something new. Okay. I don't know when, and I'm willing to be patient. Um, I've gone through a season of waiting recently. And so I just, I know that he's, pre- he, during that season, he was preparing me for the next thing. And I know right now he's preparing me for something. And I know that I'm a teacher and a speaker and a writer and I love writing like processes and strategies and to do hmm. lists and lesson. I love writing lesson plans. When I was a teacher, I loved writing the lesson plans more than the I liked teaching, teaching them. Yeah. You like the preparation. More I like the, te- yeah, yeah, I do. Um, so I know that he's preparing me for something. I don't know what it is. I'm trying really, really hard to listen and follow his lead and not like I'm trying. This is another place where I am right now. What I'm learning is to to desire 
his will, to be so close to God that when I'm praying, I'm just wanting his will, not wanting all these things that I want out of my flesh desires. All right. Well, good. We'll leave it there. Okay. All right. Thanks, Thanks Tom. All right. Thanks, Kelly.